today's episode of The Polk Experience, Kevin Smith and I talk with Allison Strange. Allison is the CEO of the Spring Games, the world's largest collegiate softball event. As you will hear, Polk County will get to enjoy some of the best Division II action in the nation in the coming weeks. For more information about this event, go to thespringgames.com. And for more about Polk County, go to visitcentralflorida.org. Comments and questions can be emailed to me, jack at visitcentralflorida.org. In America, let's be honest, collegiate is our highest standard right now of softball. As much as I'd like to have a robust pro level right now, collegiate is it until Olympics come around. Yep. yep. 2028. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these women take the game seriously. And when we go to community parks and they are laissez-faire about measurements or spins or grading, it, it creates a big, it's, there's a big disconnect because a lot of these athletes are playing on stadiums back home. And the only reason they're coming to Florida is because it's snowing. Their right. stadiums are yeah. under snow. Yeah. Right. So they have to go somewhere that the ground is not frozen. And I think it's a disservice and frankly disrespectful to throw them on a, a little league field and say, oh, you'll be fine. We mowed the grass yesterday, so go ahead and have a good time. You know I what I mean? Who's telling this is on? It's a, okay. I was shocked when we had the Olympic team out. And, and so it turned out that that one of the women from the Olympic team is from the same town I had lived in in California. And I remembered her as a teenager running around the baseball park that I worked at. So we were, we were catching up quick and, and, and my cousins had been her teachers in high school. And and so we're catching up real quick. And I said, so tell me, how do you like, you know, Florida Southern? And she's like, we were changing in the dugouts in the last field that we use. Yeah. And I was like, what? I mean, well, you do. know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have male baseball players right. changing in the dugout. You wouldn't have, and and my daughter is a volleyball player, and and you know, volleyball girls they'll they'll change on the court. I mean, it always yeah. <laughs> makes it tough for dad. Let me tell you, yeah, uh, I feel, yeah, I bet. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we have Ooh, look at my child. <laughs> yeah. We have. Had. Let me get into beach season. Now, let me tell you about that. We have had umpires who change in the parking lot, and that is one of our big no-nos. Yeah. This does not happen anymore. We don't want to see anybody's skivvies. Yeah. Nobody's skivvies. Right. Know, go in the changing room, change. But that that is the challenge. You know, I did a tour in t- the summer of 2020. My family, we got in our RV, and we just started driving and quickly got bored and said, well, what are we going to do? And decided to finish our summer doing stadium tours of mm. all the spring games teams that happened to be on a route that we wanted to go on. And so we probably saw 57 stadiums in the summer of 2020. And most of them are stadiums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. And I went, I remember going to one in Wisconsin and I just said, excuse me, this one was in Minnesota. And I looked at the coach and I just hugged her and I said, why do you come to me? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so humbled by standing in this arena that you call your field and it's gorgeous. And she said, well, our field is ice in March, so I really don't have a choice. But I do love you guys, and I want to come to you. Right. But she said, I can't play at home. It's that it's a practicality. And she's, she appreciates everything we do to advocate for facility upgrades and improvements, and as do the local leagues, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just as the game elevates and as these women are playing on proper facilities, it brings communities that want to host these teams to a position where they have to hold themselves to a higher standard if they want to host these teams. And if they don't, that's okay too. But what we find is communities that partner with us in making facility upgrades and we bring in our partners, you know, we will introduce the contractors and the suppliers that work with us because they want to work with our teams they are incentivized to help communities make improvements to their facilities because then they can put their brand on the windscreen and they can put their brand on the fence and the teams see it and they understand 400 teams is worth a heck of a lot more than a five field complex in 
you know, Bartow, Florida. Right. And they'll make a great deal. Mm-hmm. And so we help for a lot of times for the money that communities are spending on facility, what they call improvements, we can actually help them upgrade to a collegiate standard for the same or less money just by introducing them to people who are willing to make donations or cut their rates or things along those lines. Well, you know, and I think that's, I think that's the one thing that, um, I think that's the one thing for sure that communities now that are looking to make investments into their facilities and, and especially around the state of Florida and probably around the country, because you get around like I do. Um, and I, for anybody listening, that's, we mean that, like we just travel a lot. Yeah. So, um, that they're making the investment into a lot of softball these days. And so um, because the women's sports, the women's softball, one, it's it's a great opportunity to bring a lot of people in because honestly, more people come in to watch um, women and girls softball as opposed to, in some cases, youth baseball. The travel ball is just so, so many people coming in. And so they're making these communities, they're making the investment into it, but to not put the little things in the yeah. pitching pads, the warm up areas, the, you know, not everyone can have the space to maybe put in a tunnel, but put in the framework for a net to go up. You know, those are little things that, I mean, I think you guys find that are important, right? For the colleges. Absolutely. And um, softball is one of the fastest growing, not only sports, but also tourism spaces in the market in America right now. And so it's nice to be in the business of softball these days because it's an easy sell when we're talking to tourism offices. Um, I like to remind my baseball buddies about that over at Russmat pretty much every time I see them, a little nudge, <laughs> nudge. Um, <laughs> so it is the little things. And what I find is we'll go into a town and they'll say, oh, we're making improvements to the complex. And I'll say, tell me about them. And it's something related to the fans, shade for the fans, overhead netting. Some, and that's great, you know, paving the parking lot. And these are all really good things to do at a complex. But I know what those cost. And for the cost of those things, they could resurface the playing area and put irrigation in. And for us, that's critical. You know, yeah. for the cost of the overhead netting, mm-hmm. they could put in nice temporary fences, which allow us to put bleachers in the outfield right. so that we can bring in more fans. The more fans you bring in, the more revenue to the town in the form of both tourism tax and sales tax in the state of Florida anyway. And that creates more money to do things to take care of the fans. But if you don't take care of the teams first, you're not going to get the fans. Right. So it's sometimes it's just a disconnect of, what's more important right now. And mm-hmm. we end up consulting with many of our communities. That's one of the kind of perks of having us, I guess you would say, is we're all experts in our field and we will consult just to make our event better right. to, to help get a better facility. And we've done that at several complexes already. Well, I, I think, um, and first of all, you know, softball's in your blood, right? So yes. you, you played at Stetson. I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was reading by, I've known you for a while. So, you know, yeah. Um, I didn't realize you were 14, 14 sport, 14, 14 letters, letters in letters. 14 sports. Yeah. Well, varsity, I had 16 letters, but 14 of them were varsity. So I did six different sports in high school. And honestly, it wasn't a, I didn't endeavor to do that. It was just, I was bored and in high school, it's easy to just pick up a, yeah. yeah. What am I doing this season? Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, I didn't like doing conditioning. Okay. I mean, that's the real, that's the real scoop. I didn't like doing conditioning. I thought it was boring. So I'd rather play a sport and be competitive and then go into another sport than condition for softball right. and run around the parking lot, which I didn't like doing. Yeah. If I had to run more than 180 feet, I really wasn't interested. Yeah. I, you know? I get that. <laughs> you should be jogging at yeah, that yeah. point. Yeah. That's my max. I'm like, go from station to station. That's yeah. all I yeah. got to do. Yeah. I'll take a triple all day long. Yeah. I'll be ready for that. Yeah. But if it's over the fence, I'm jogging. No, yeah. We're, yeah. we're not going to sprint Slow more than 180. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I didn't like to condition. So I would pick up, you know, I did many different sports and I wasn't necessarily good at all of them, but I was athletic. And so oftentimes that kind of, I think did. the most impressive thing was the weight training, weightlifting. Yep. State weightlifting champion, 1999. And, um, that was fun. That yeah. was, that was really fun. Yeah. yeah. What was, what was the uh, discipline? 
Uh, uh, clean and jerk and bench press. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <Yes. laughs> well, you, you can imagine in college. So you just think a girl doing that in high school and then going into college. Um, when I was at the University of Florida, I was actually on the track and field team. Little known, you know, icebreaker fact about me. And I threw the javelin and the shot put at the University of Florida. And the advantage, it was amazing to be an athlete at uf yeah and we got to nice work. facilities there oh yeah. yeah our particular program was able to work out in the same facility as the football program there's actually two sports facilities or was back then for um athletes at florida and it was either the basketball facility or the football facility so us throwers you know the big girls i, I grew up in the 90s and you know I was a big hitter. So, you know, there was the fat kids club and then there was the speedy girls. Right. And right. we just grace, we, we happily were, we embraced our, our position on the team. And when, as a thrower, you know, we were big girls and I had a lot of fun taking that weightlifting experience into Florida and, um, you know, working out there, they had some of the greatest trainers and I got big, um, mm. at Florida. Yeah. And so when I transferred to Stetson, they feed you well. They do. Yeah. They feed you well. They feed you well. First time I ever had a protein shake in my life. Yeah. Um, came home that summer and told my brother who was starting football, I said, we got to thicken up that neck. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. <laughs> that's too string beanie, sophomore freshman, you know, oh, let's yeah. put some weight on you. Um, here's how you do it. And, you know, this was the era of creatine. And, oh, yeah. um, oh, I blew up. I was 185 pounds, bench pressing 225, squatting 315. I mean, it was, I was a beast. And it was awesome. Um, and so then I go to Stetson, which is just a smaller program in major and didn't think anything of it. But man, it was night and day going from Florida to a mid-major program. And I had fun there. Um, Stetson was home, is home. Uh, I got three degrees at Stetson, so I'm a hatter all the way. Yeah. Um, but it is a difference going from. And they have a good program in yeah. Berlin. They have a yeah. really good program. Jack and I are former ball players, and I know you can't tell from looking at us now. But uh, <laughs> it was I was shaped like a ball. We're shaped like a ball. <laughs> so. round, round as a shape. Yep. But I remember going to college. At, I was maybe 165, 170 pounds, maybe going in into college, and because you know, I was a swimmer, mm -hmm. and then I played baseball, and uh, I came home after my freshman year. I was maybe two ten. Yeah. And my oh, mom wow. looked at me. She's like, "What happened?" Yeah. You know, she's on the phone to the yeah. coach. Yeah. She's like, "What? What? What, what did you do to my son?" You know, I'm like, ah, drinking milk out of the jug. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it it is. It's it's uh you know it's a, when you play college athletics, they transform you into you know like I said, you spend college picking up weight so that you can play the sport. Right. And you spend the rest of your life trying to lose it. Because you can't get it off anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, no, I had a coach turn to us and say, uh, congratulations, you survived your high school coaches, now you'll be instructed. Yes. That yeah, was pretty much that's pretty much how yeah. it is. But you're you're from a softball family, right? So you're, you're So yeah, this is softball lineage. So right. Dr. Dot Richardson. Yep. Related. She is my mother's little sister. Okay. And she's 20 years my senior. Um, so I grew up we're from Central Florida. Um, Dot was born in Central Florida. I was born in Central Florida. And um, she, by the time I came along, she was already in Southern California. Uh, you know, she's 20 years old. So she was playing at UCLA. And of course, before I could be even aware of who she was, she was into graduate school. Mm -hmm. And um, if anybody can get their hands on one of her old hitting or um, her fielding videos. I think she only made two. I'd have to really remember, but she was the first to make instructional softball videos. Okay. That I know. We could probably find it. It's, it, it's, it's on YouTube it's somewhere, it's I'm sure. There. We can find it. You can find them. I'm the nine-year-old in the back that's kicking the ground, bored out of her mind, because I knew <laughs> nothing about softball. So she brought me out to have, she had these young ladies in her video who were an 18-year-old, a 14-year-old, and then she needed a little person, so she called me. I, we had fun together. We used to just run, and I loved her. I just yeah. loved her. If you've ever met her, you can't help but be inspired by her. And even as her niece, like she was just fun, full yeah. of energy. So she was one of my favorite people, and still is. So I'm in this video. I know nothing about what's going on. 
my aunt Dot has asked me to stand here in this weird outfit and just not move unless I've been asked to move, which is hard to do with a nine-year-old. So I did all these fundamentals of hitting and throwing. And of course, I'd never touched a ball before. So it achieved what she wanted in the video of showing how a brand new athlete would respond to these drills that she was teaching. Well, hindsight being 2020, that was my first instruction. Huh. I had my first fundamental training was from arguably, arguably, we can have the debate, the greatest softball <laughs> player of all time <laughs> with intention to instruct every piece of the game. So I took that with me. Right. And, and it was really an extraordinary foundation. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to have had it. And not many people have that. And the other thing that made it fortunate at hindsight, again, being 2020, I spent my entire youth and formative years watching a person who, about whom I cared very much strive to achieve a goal that was, again, in hindsight, an impossible goal. Yeah. She was training for the Olympics as long as I knew her and the Olympics weren't available to softball until I was 15 years old. Right. So I watched her come home and do all of her medical training and do all of her exercises. And Christmas morning, we're doing hitting drills and you know, you name it. And I watched this intensity to achieve a goal, to realize a dream. And that affected me. Right. It, it definitely affected me because now I have this illusion that there are no limits in life. Because right. it doesn't matter if something is available or not. If you want it bad enough, you can literally breathe it into existence yeah. because I've seen it happen. Yeah. So I think it was very fortunate to have that kind of role model as a young person. And, and I strive for all young people to have those kinds of role models because I know what it did for me right. as a person. Well, you know, and I think that having that example, especially in today's market, and we'll, we'll get into you know, the spring games and, and what they bring to Polk County, because after all, that's kind of what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's so interesting to have a guest on our, our can really talk about the development of youth athletics and sports, especially for women, especially for young girls. And especially as we start to move into this new decade and era of athletics and sports and likenesses and images and things along those lines that are happening. And it's, it's good to see the young ladies that are getting the opportunity for likeness image uh, compensation, but I'm not sure about it. And I don't want to get into the whole controversy because there's a lot, but having those role models in the past. Um, and again, I, like you said, you had, you know, Dr. Dot, as mm -hmm. she's affectionately known. I know her a little tiny, tiny bit, um, but having that kind of role model to help forge you into athletics and sports, I think, yeah. you know, has been a big part of your life. Well, and then if you think about just the generational results of that kind of influence, and I think in tourism, so when we're talking about sports and tourism and how they affect your community, when the things that people have a hard time measuring are the secondary and tertiary impacts of any particular moment in time or event or experience. So for example, my daughter, who's now 14, looks back at my, since you brought it up, varsity records, <laughs> which happened to not exceed my aunt's varsity records. And she was saying, well, I want to be a 16 varsity letter athlete in high school, too. Um, but she's picked the heptathlon. Wow. And I said, well, honey, I never played eight sports, which between the heptathlon and rowing. That doesn't count, right? The, you can't those, take one of these. I'm not playing that game. You're only going to get one letter, but you're <laughs> training for seven events. I said, that's a big deal. I think that perhaps we should have a different framework. Well, of course, then she discovers the 2028 Olympics are in the United States. And guess where the 2032 are? They're in Australia. Oh, and her Aunt Dot's gold medals came from the United States there and then Australia. Yeah. And so suddenly her vision is higher. You know, so when these people come into your life and they touch you in a way, and we see that with the spring games, we introduce these colleges to children who have never been to college, you know, colleges they've never heard of. Right. You know, right. And they fall in love with these colleges that they've never heard of. And we don't really know yet. And it can be so hard to measure. What is the impact of this softball tournament came to town and 
these teams, you know, Augustana University did a clinic for the local softball girls and they're, you know, multi, you know, two or three time national champions in D2. And that what little girl falls in love with mm-hmm. Greta and her family and then goes to college and makes the 2028 Olympic team and what happens to her daughter and what are and these are silly little things that make a big difference in someone's life. How many CEOs of the future are we creating mm-hmm. by introducing elite softball to the community. Yeah. It's, we don't know and we won't know until that little girl like myself is 30 years from now and says, I remember this one time I grew up in Bartow and I went to this softball tournament and it changed my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't know until decades from now. So we're all gone. We well, don't know. The, the spring games has such a huge impact in the state of Florida. Right, all over, right? You guys are in different places. You got D1 over on the west coast of Florida. You got D2s in central Florida. You get D3s mm-hmm. central. You're all over. Yep, four counties. Four counties. Um, so how did it come about? How did spring games come about? Well, technically, the spring games has been around since 2008. Um, Dot actually formed it when she took over at the National Training Center as the... Um, director of sports and that was that's the technical answer to that question is 2008 the spring games has been around the more nuanced again we don't know things until time passes more nuanced answer is dot played for a woman named marge ricker when she was young marge was one of her very first coaches in central florida marge had a women's majors program called the rebels and in 1976 the rebels hosted the first Rebel Games, games. which are without question the predecessor of the Spring Games. And Dot played in the 1976 Rebel Games and was actually seen by Western Illinois where she went her first year of college. Most people don't know that little little blip in time. Um, So she was seen by and ultimately recruited by one of the teams she played against as a 16-year-old in this college event called the Rebel Games. And the Rebel Games continued for decades, from 1976 until the early 2000s. And when DOT took over at the National Training Center, the Rebel Games had become very Division I focused. And so they'd evolved from junior college and D3 to Division I. And so she started, DOT started the Spring Games to create a place for the Division Three, the JUCO, the NAIA, the D2 teams to go play because the Rebel Games had become so Division One focused. And then Marge sold the Rebel Games and um, passed away. And when that happened, um, Dot kind of said, well, gloves are off. We'll go after D1 while we're at it, not as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the long answer to what should be a very straightforward question. No, no that's perfect. But, but that's our, we, I consider what we do, and I played for Marge as well in right. college. So we're both rebels. And I think that what we do is very much carrying the spirit of what Marge did for the sport to keep it going. And she was a huge impact here in the state of Florida. Huge. I remember the Rebel Games um, as far as softball is concerned. And when I got into this business, it was still... Yeah. Very viable. It was 1998. Yeah. So. Well, Osceola built that complex Absolutely. for mm-hmm. the Rebel Games, the Osceola Sports Complex, the right. softball complex. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And so now, fast forward mm-hmm. till 2022. It's um, hard to remember what year it is. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so fast forward to 2022. How many teams do you guys have total in the, in the games, in we, games? We have over 450 registered for this year, playing this year. It is our second largest year. Our largest year would have been 2020. We had 508 teams, but this is the second largest number we've ever had. And if we survive it, which is what I always say about the spring games, uh, we will have had our biggest year yet with over 2,000 games and 450 plus teams. So it's really just kind of hanging on for the ride. (laughs) If everything happens, right? You guys are doing all this stuff and um, hang on. And, you know, here we go. Yeah, you figure out how to put a parachute in a hurricane, you're holding on. That's it. That's how the hurricane it. comes. <laughs> so having all those teams, and I know COVID really impacted everyone, really, yes. especially this, you know, this side of it. I mean, because some of the things that they were talking about, like changing balls out and, you know, don't touch the ball. I was like, oh, hey, not touch the ball in yeah. the game of softball. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, stop, hold on, and sanitize the ball. Right. You can't do that. Um, 
because I've seen, you know, baseball and softball players do some pretty disgusting things. You know, <laughs> you know, hey, listen, don't put your yeah. baseball junk on my side. <laughs> we don't do that I'm stuff. I'm just telling you, you know, <laughs> Gotta get that little edge. You got a little list everywhere in your hand. I was a pitcher. I get it. Yeah. You saying you may may have may applied have some uh, some phlegm to I've, the ball? I've heard that it's happened. Okay, okay. I'm, say, I'm neither admitting to that or denying it. I'm just saying that I've heard that it's yeah. happened before. But uh, having having uh, the, the baseball and softball player, having the softball players especially um, for these games, 2020 was really rough for everyone. It was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. Um, our event runs from the end of February until the end of March. So we very clearly remember the period of March 10th through March 15th of 2020. Uh, we were actually quite fortunate to get, we say we got the games in at D2 in Polk County. Certainly there were teams who backed out, but we made it to the last day of games in Polk County. We, we got them all in. Um, same thing with NAIA and JUCO. We got the games in that we that we had. Um, Division three was impacted. We had eight teams that got sent home um, when there was talk actually of not having airlines fly anymore. I said, this is that's it. I'm not going to get you all stranded here. Um, I, was, I was at the ball field in Auburndale when they were getting yeah. the calls from the colleges. It, it was yeah. crazy. It was, just, it was nuts. And everyone's looking at their phones and parents are panicked and oh it was crazy you know and i i was nine months pregnant at the time and my midwife had put me on bed rest just because she knows how i am so i was very glad actually that happened because i had brought in extra help and bed rest doesn't mean you can't be on the computer so i was command central and from march 12th until march 13th i was scheduling 20 hours a day i was dropping teams moving teams adding teams it got to a point where I called our umpire assigner and said, just put two umpires on every field and I will pay them for the day. I don't know who they're calling tomorrow. Mm. And he was like, okay. I said, just get them out there. Um, because we didn't know. And it would change by game. Mm. We would have, a, I had teams getting pulled off in the fifth inning. I had teams leaving after the first game of the day. I had teams landing, calling me, saying, hey, we made it. And then an hour later, calling and saying we got called back. Um, it was crazy. Um, on Friday the 13th, after the president announced the um, national emergency, you know, I, I called my midwife and I said, I'm not on bed rest anymore. The event's over. If the baby comes, who cares? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. We're good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we're done. <laughs> like yeah. I, my team can handle the rest of it. There's more umpires <laughs> and staff that I know what to do with. With right. the, the we've got as many as we have teams at this point. Right. Um, so I went to one of our parks here in Claremont actually, and um, was getting ice. These are silly things, but ice and balls. You hear more about ice and balls in this business than anything else. And I said, no more ice. Don't let the ice orders come in. I Don't buy anything else. You know, we're in the middle of the event. We have orders coming regularly. I said, cancel it all. Stop it all. I don't know if I'm going to have enough ice, but we're not buying any more. No more ice. Um, so I said, I got some ice at this park. I'm going to go pick it up and take it to another. And I went out to the field and the guys are loading the ice in my truck and I started walking through the complex and if you've ever been to a softball tournament, you know, one of the neatest things about softball is the sound of the games, the cheering and the energy. And you just can't walk into the park without being energized. And it's just so much fun. Right. I walked into the complex and it was dead silent. It's quiet. You could hear the ball and the bat make contact. And you only hear that in softball if it is the biggest home run of the day and then the crowd right. goes crazy. <laughs> you don't hear that when it's a ground out to the shortstop. It just doesn't happen. Right. And I had just a moment where I said, this is, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. These people are depressed. You could feel the depression right. in the park. And so I went back to my you know bed rest and got on my communication tools and said, from now on, every game is senior game at the spring games every game. And, um, went out the next day and I had a coach, you know, several coaches. No, we got games when we get back home. I said, coach, this is your last game of the year. You need to go and celebrate your seniors. This is, this is it. 
And they'd go, no, come on. And I'm, I'd go, no, this is, if it's not, your next one is. Yeah. I'm just telling you. And yeah. they'd look at me, you know, they trust me. I, I schedule a quarter of their season in many cases. Right. And they're looking at me like, I believe her, yet I don't believe her. Right. But she wouldn't be saying this if it wasn't, if she didn't believe it. Yeah. And sure enough, it almost always was. But by Sunday the 15th, which was the last set of games that we ran, we had signs at the park, you know, with the seniors' names. We had parents taking pictures. There were flowers. There were, you know, tissue flowers everywhere. It was fun. And we celebrated those women and their careers and the ending of it, however tragic it may be. But in 2020, make no mistake, an entire generation of athletes became retired by injury. And if you've ever known an athlete who was retired by injury, you know what mentally they go through. Right. And every athlete that year, every senior that year, that's what happened. Hmm. And they weren't hurt. Yeah. They were still capable. It was just because that's what they, they deemed it. But that's what happened. Yeah. And so mentally and psychologically, that's what the impact of the COVID shutdowns had on these athletes, men and women across the board. And it, it was tragic. In my opinion, in my experience, it was tragic. And it was made worse in 2021 yeah. with the, the shutting down of the seasons and the shutting down of the games and, you know, limiting to conference play. And, you know, it, more and more coaches that I talked to were very frustrated by the decisions to continue to deny these athletes the opportunity, the limited opportunity that they have to play at that level. And again, in our sport, the highest level. Right. And they just lost it. Because at the time, there's, there was no next level, right? There is right. no yeah. pro right. league at that time. And it backs up. I mean, they they. it's good that they gave, I mean, many schools gave the kids extra, another year of eligibility. and, and But it backs up the rest of the sport. So, right. you know, my, my wife is a volleyball coach. And, and all of a sudden, you see U18 tournaments. Right. And and these are girls who should already have colleges found, but the colleges aren't going to be given out any scholarships because they have girls who they're going to have for their sixth year. Um, and then those kids lose out on their opportunity to play. And it just it's this weird sort of pocket that these that this group of athletes are going to be in. It's really a shame. Yeah. Well, it it brought a multi billion dollar industry to a screeching halt. And those athletes, I hear that a lot. Well, they got another year to play. Well, not always. Yeah, right. Because really, life happens. Yeah. You know? you're, if you're a senior and it's March and you've lined up a job or you've lined up a marriage or you've lined up, you're graduating. Yep, right. So what are you going to do? Go get one year of a master's degree or are you going to get two years of a master's degree? And, and these are choices they get to make. In Division Three, which is our largest cohort, they have to play, they have to pay to be at their schools. Right. Yeah. So you're talking another 60 grand yeah. to play softball? Probably not. For one more year. I mean, there are yeah. some people who would do that, but it is a very small number. So the reality was in Division Three, it was for the most part the end of their career. Um, we had some Division Two, Division One athletes who stayed on. You hear about them, but they are the exception. That's mm-hmm. why you're hearing about them. Mm-hmm. And even in those cases, to your point, Jack, now the freshman that was coming in. She doesn't get an extra year. Yeah. But the seniors and the juniors and the sophomores and the the, the re- returning sophomores, they get an extra yep. year. So now that freshman is suddenly on the bench because she's playing against 24-year-olds. Yeah. Right. And it, it just. So they lose a year. Technically, it was yeah. red. Yeah, yeah. They redshirt them. They, mean, they can, they but, can you, but now you're in college you're in five the, years yeah, again. You're, yeah, you're in the same yeah. thing for those kids. I had a young athlete in volleyball that I, I came to know through this process. Who, because of the way high school is now, she actually had she came into college as a junior. COVID happened. Now she's a senior. Then she had the ability. I mean, the conditions these athletes were playing in was horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. In 2021, if you got tested, you were quarantined. If you failed the test, you were quarantined for two weeks. If you played with somebody who was tested for COVID, you were quarantined. And I'm talking, think about the psychological impact of that. Mm -hmm. These people who are used to interacting with others in isolation 
for two weeks. Mm. It, it, it was terrible. And then from a team standpoint, how do you train right. to get ready for an, a season when you can't guarantee you're even going to be there? I mean, it's hard enough to worry about injury. Now you got to worry someone might breathe on you. I mean, it was, it was really bad. So a lot of athletes chose to take the red shirt because the NCAA offered that if you were not comfortable playing under those conditions, the NCAA then said, well, you can red shirt again. So this particular volleyball athlete, she graduated college with four years of eligibility remaining. Wow. Now that's interesting. Okay. So think about it. She's 20 huh. years old. She's going to be 25 when she graduates potentially. Yeah. And I'm 18 and I have to compete with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That Big woman. Difference. Big difference. Who's been playing college ball for six years, seven, if she takes a red, a real red shirt. I mean, that's crazy. So it just turned the entire industry upside down. And then, of course, no one ordered balls. No one ordered uniforms yeah, right. in 21. They reused the 20. So all the all the businesses that go into it, they made zero revenue. I mean, you had massive organizations like Rawlings, you know, said putting people on furlough. For months at a time, like a quarter of their staff, half of their staff at one right. point, NCAA was doing the same thing. I mean, it was just because it lost the entire softball industry, not just the college level, right? But the, the whole industry, ball, everything, yeah. everything shut down. Cities were shutting, yeah, shutting the fields down. No youth, no youth uh, softball or baseball, none of that. Well, all sports, all sports, all sports yeah. for an entire year. Just it was crazy, except for golf for some reason. <laughs> Played more golf. <laughs> We'll get into the politics of golf. Yeah, good. <laughs> anyway. uh, we are in Florida. I feel like we have some liberties on this podcast. I've always said between baseball and softball, of all the sports to shut down because of COVID. I mean, where you're going to be, you're, you're with your team in the dugout. But other than that, any contact yeah. is, is purely incidental. I right. mean, it's, it's the guy you run into at second base it's the third baseman you might chatter with. Right. Uh, but that's it. Well, yeah. and then you think about, you know, realistically, even from the beginning, all the numbers about the impact of COVID on these athletes mm -hmm. was so small, but the evident from the beginning psychological impact of doing these shutdowns on the athletes was so large. The risk, you have to, in life, you have to do risk reward yeah. analysis. Yeah. And these Young people truly had no business taking, yeah. you know, taking the hit, frankly, you know, for for people outside of their age category. Yeah. You know, it just it was not fair to them. And they could have gone home and been quarantined after their events. They, they would have been happy to do it. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to play. And we saw a lot of complexes made adjustments in the summer of 2020 so that they could continue to operate where, you know, fans were sitting outside of the outfield fence. We, we ran a bubble in 21 at the right. college level. So we just separated the fans from the players. So the players could do their thing and play. And if they got sick, frankly, most of them weren't hardly sick. Mm -hmm. right. you know, the issue was they get sick and spread it to others. Yeah. So yeah. they were thrilled to be quarantined with their teams. Right. That would have been, that was a good mm -hmm. solution. Um, and the people who did that, I think, saw a really, a really positive result. Um, from creating that environment for those athletes. But yeah, it was tough. And, and it's funny, you know, now people ask me, well, what are you worried about? Or, and I'm like, I'm worried about the zombie apocalypse at this point. <laughs> I had no idea what I'm worried about. I didn't see COVID happening. Right. I mean, the first person who used pandemic was March 10th. And I said, the what? The what? what is that? I had no idea. I'm like, yeah. is this real? I feel like I'm reading a book about, you know, ancient times or something. What do you, a what? Yeah. I was yeah. totally, <laughs> totally caught off guard. And then I'm looking at my insurance. I'm like, is there a pandemic policy? What, yeah. what is this? You there know? wasn't, but there probably is now. No, there's not because yeah. they won't give <laughs> they it to you. Yeah, they won't cover it. You know, go to Disney. You see the signs. Yeah, exactly. You're on your own. You're on your own, pal. Well, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's, you know, talking about how 2021 and going now into 22, you're starting to see a comeback of the athletics yeah. and how it impacted the state of Florida and, and Polk County and probably other parts of the state a little bit more, um, where the occupancy in, in Orlando was down to 28% or something. Oh, yeah. they, and they may was, have been lower than that. Yeah, 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 maybe they were 16 yeah. or something yeah. along those lines. Because these sports that you guys bring in, spring games, really 
do turn the wheels of sports in Florida during this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Why do you come to Florida in, in March? Spring training. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we're known for. Right? Well, we have entire, you know, legislative writings and, and statutes written around spring training. Around spring training. I mean, you see it. It's, it's very prevalent. It's a very big part of our, our industry in yeah. the state. So, I mean, tourism obviously being our number one industry, but sports tourism being a substantial piece of that. Right. And nationwide, that's the conversation is that sports tourism is the, it will be the tourism, that leisure tourism is perhaps not going to be driving the train, that it's the youth market that's going to drive it, that businesses have been completely changed by virtual meetings that they're not seeing as many conferences and business meetings that they are seeing the sports events. Right. Absolutely. And it is becoming more and more part of the everyday life of everyone. Right. If you have kids, mm-hmm. um, they're involved with something. And my daughter wasn't necessarily involved with softball, but she was involved with the uh, flags, the flag twirling thing that they do. So you, oh, were yeah. the, you were the dad in the commercial, right? You I were was. the dad going to the going to the the the. The twirling, the twirling competition, holding the, holding the right. The, okay, and I started watching, and I'm like, "How much is it to get in this place?" Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You start. Yeah, that was my first volleyball tournament. Yeah. I stood there quick, and I said, "Let's do some quick math." <laughs> I'm on the wrong end of this deal. Um, you know, but it really so. is. It really does increase the economic impact for destinations, and so. Which is a big part of why the spring games has been so successful here in Florida is, is that you have the ability to do this in this beautiful environment um, and have games all over the four counties. So yeah. it's really nice to, to see that it's coming back. But we want to get to that pre-pandemic levels, right? Those 500 teams. So you see that coming back? <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're not far off from that. There's... Uh, and talking to my partners over at, uh, you know, Russ Matt and Spring Break Sports, and they do baseball and lacrosse and tennis. We're all down. We're projecting about 20% of team participation. But again, you have to keep in mind, that's coming off of 2020. Before 2020, 22 is a very big, if not the biggest year for all of us. Mm-hmm. We're 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 just pre 2020. It's kind of like when the real estate market busted right. and everyone compared it to 08 and it's like or 07. You know, like yeah, but we're still higher than 05. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to complain about that. Right. That's good. Right. We do see some schools that are continuing to be conservative, play it safe. I've seen a rise of about 600%, which sounds a lot bigger than it is because I'm usually around 5%. So we're about 25-30% of buses instead of airlines. Um, and that has more to do with what if an athlete gets, you know, they, they, they test positive while they're in Florida. How do we get them home? Right. It's more that than it is. We don't want them flying on airplanes. Right. So, you know, it, schools are still being a little conservative, but I don't think I think people in general across the nation are, you know, over quarantining. They're over not living their lives. I mean, at some point you have to say life has risk. And I think that people in general, the general feel I'm getting from our audience is, you know, we're coming, we're going to live our life. Mm -hmm. And if we get sick, we're going to deal with it, but we're, we're willing to take that risk. And if we're not, then we don't come, but they're recognizing, Hey, if I want to live my life, I'm going to have to live it with a certain amount of risk in it. And, you know, I think that's what we're seeing. That's I feel like we're definitely we're definitely on the rise. Um, I do think we're going to see a lot of interesting changes. I mean, technology has made massive advances in the last two years. And I think we're going to start seeing more really neat things come from this. Um, You know, what what is it? uh, Breakdowns or opportunities for breakthroughs. Right. Right. And we're going to see that. And it's going to be interesting to watch over the next four or five years you know, to the point about you know facilities and making them better. And you know, we're going to see a lot of stuff like that. Right. And you guys, I mean, we, we kind of got fixated on the spring games, but you you're more than that. Right. You're not just the spring games. You have softball that goes year round. Right. Well, I volunteer for an organization called PFX Athletics mm-hmm. and PFX manage the Legends Way ball fields up in Claremont. And they certainly do. I mean, they host the FHSA finals. They've got ma- major recruiting events that are coming in. Um, they've got the Sun Conference Championship. So there's there is a lot of that. And we're just 
the biggest, the largest event that takes place at, the, at that venue, as we are most venues we go to. Um, right. In fact, I don't know if there is a bigger event that goes to any of the facilities um, that we come to. Um, so we, as a unit, um, you know, I can make a phone call to pretty much anybody in softball. And right. so I say that only to say that as a unit, the softball community, it's, it's big, but it's also very small right. and the leadership of it all know each other and, you know, make decisions that affect the game overall, top to bottom. Um, I think pretty well, you know, we work pretty well as a group. And I'm excited about the future of softball and what it means now that we've had the Olympic Games and truly even with some of the breakdowns that are happening at the pro level, I, I see those as opportunities for breakthrough. Yeah. Know? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and how the spring games plays a role in that. You know, I, and I do see that um, in softball uh, on the national collegiate and even on the international level, how softball teams, organizations seem to stick closer together than the baseball side, yeah. you know, and being an old baseball player, you can see, cause you know, mm. baseball coaches are, they kind of walk around and then softball coaches seem to be willing to help each other a little bit more. Oh, very much. And I will say, you know, preparing for 2022, there's, I'm a small business owner. When you get down to it, we're family owned, family operated. Um, I have four employees and it's what it takes to put this event together. And, I won't lie, all year I've been waiting on the shoe to drop after 2020 being so sudden. It's almost, I say I have COVID PTSD yeah. because that was shocking. Um, and then 21, we had teams, as you know, we were scheduled to come to Polk County. We, we had 200 teams registered. And then in December, before the event, we had 250 teams registered. In December, 200 of them dropped out. Right. And so it was reliving March of 2020 all over again. So all year I've been like bracing myself <laughs> for, you know. You'll stop answering the phone. It's, uh, yeah. first, right? yeah. like, no, no one can call. I've, I've been bracing myself. And, and I, as we're on the cusp of the event starting, I'm more aware of my own behavior and my own kind of protectiveness of myself and my business. And, you know, that that maybe there are things I didn't do, like replace a staff member that we lost because how, how am I going to do that? If I don't have money next year, if I don't right. have an event, I can't have another staff member. And so, you know, we came into this event one man short and yet we scheduled more games than we've ever scheduled. And believe me, we've screwed up a time or two. And I say all this to say our coaches have been extraordinarily gracious you know, they've all reached out throughout this process and, you know, we're here with you. We support you. We understand you got to do, you got to, we want you here in 23, you know? And so they're like, if, you know, you got to make choices that make sure you're here for us when things return fully to normal. And it's a really neat family type environment to have 400 family members who are looking out for you as much as you're looking out for them. It's very cool. Yeah. It's a very cool community. Yeah, Absolutely. So being on the on on the forefront of women's sport in 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 softball on this side, you see the breakthroughs in soccer for women. You see the breakthroughs in basketball for women. What's what's it going to take for softball? There've been pro leagues. There's still a, a smattering of teams around. What's it going to take to make that next jump? Um, corporate America and media. Uh, it's that simple. We have the talent. I've never seen a person watch an elite softball event and not love it, not walk away loving it. So it's really about getting exposure in front of people who aren't softball people, who aren't connected in the industry. And that takes media and mm -hmm. corporate dollars, it just takes dollars. Um, I'm a firm believer if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, it did not make a sound. It just didn't happen. Right. Uh, we hosted at Legends Way Ballfields in 2015, the first Olympic head coach versus Olympic head coach game with Dot Richardson at Liberty and um, Danielle Henderson at UMass Lowell. And nobody knows about it. Nobody knew about it. It, yeah. it wasn't on ESPN. There was no AP feed. Nobody know. I know. And yeah. it happened to be a Make-A-Wish girl that knows. You know, yeah. that's neat. And that, that, that mm -hmm. resonates with me. But right. that's a cool thing. And if that happened in baseball... There'd be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who were aware of right. this momentous thing that happened. So it's really getting in front of people that don't know softball. That's what it's going to take. And I think the how does that happen um, is 
it takes more people like Kevin um, and frankly, more people, my generation coming into positions of decision making because my generation, I'm 40, is the first generation where women played sports alongside, where girls played sports alongside the boys. And I think that the generation before mine, the good men, frankly, who are making most of the decisions in corporate America, think it's great the girls get to play. It's a charitable mindset. And it's not bad. It's just how they were raised. When, as my generation moves into those decisions, there are going to be men who are making choices who were beat by girls as boys in their own discipline of sport. Those are the men who are going to say, no, 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 this is a sport. Like, you should see her play. Right. It's pretty awesome. Like, I'd rather watch her play than the baseball. And as those decisions are made, we're going to see more of the dollars coming in to support, you know, support these big events, to sponsor these big mm. events. I'm sitting here with 30,000 people who come to Florida for 7.7 nights. It's one of the biggest economic drivers in Florida independently outside of Disney and you know the the bowl games that take place right ask me how many corporate sponsors i have i can tell you that i got one in d2 and d3 that's really exciting and i'm excited to have the partnership right but i have a feeling if i was on the baseball side there'd be another zero on that sponsorship sure. you know, and, and and that's i'm not bitter i don't want to come across that way at all i think that's the difference right now as the women are playing it's a novelty and it's charitable and in, until we start looking at women's athletics as a business, they're not going to be a business. Right. Now, they figured it out in the Far East, right? Japan. Yeah. A lot of corporate sponsors. We know a lot of ladies that have gone yeah. over and played. Michelle, yeah. Monica, probably others that I'm not aware of. Yeah. They go to Japan and play, and they are part of the organizations, Toyota, Nissan, whoever yeah. it is. They are part of their company. And so... Why can't we figure it out here? Well, oh, isn't that the million dollar question? I don't, know, I don't know if there's an answer to that it's question. It's literally the million dollar question. So the Japan model is really cool. And what I like about it is not only does it have that corporate connection, and for those who aren't familiar with the Japan model, um, Toyota, Honda, Nissan, they all hire softball players to be employees. And their job is to go win a championship for Toyota, Honda, Nissan, and that's what they, and there's a great pride in that. Mm -hmm. And so there's an ego associated with it. And at the end of the year, whoever won the championship, you know, that's the best company in Japan right. is what it boils down to. Right. And so it's a very neat model. And it's not unlike the women's model we had in the seventies mm -hmm. in the United States. We had that yeah. with the breakettes. Um, you know, we had the the Budweiser Bells, right? Mm -hmm. So we had these teams that were sponsored by corporations, and they were women. And when you watch a thirty year old woman play compared to a twenty year old girl play, it's very different. Mm -hmm. It's a very cool game. Uh, I mean, you know, the women playing ten more years of experience at the highest level right. only makes a more exciting game. It really is. And so we had that in the 70s. And then when Title IX came in and, and the girls started getting college opportunities, college became the focus. And so we were just, as a nation, just focused on that college opportunity, which was great and good and it's wonderful. But the focus came off of the women who were playing. Right. You know, 96 was very, very cool. And then we kind of fell off in the early 2000s. And I think there was a lot of, a lot of athletes were getting burned out. Um, you know, the, there was no real opportunity for them to go on afterwards. What were they going to play? USA Softball stopped hosting the women's majors. Um, UAAA came in. Um, you know, PGF showed up. And these were all youth-based organizations. Right. But there wasn't the focus on the women's level and, outside of the Olympics. And that's 17 athletes. Right. You need to have a place for 500 athletes to go and play with, you know, 2,500 who feed into it. That's how you really support that. And we don't have that outlet. We don't even have it in right. the United States. So if you don't have somewhere for these women to play, they're going to lose their talent. They're going to move on. They're going to get a job. They're going to get married. They're going to make babies. And, you know, it's just life goes on. Right. right. So we need to catch them out of college in some sort of really cool um, way to showcase their skills and their talents. 
that's not just the Olympic Games, where we're not just relying on the Olympics, but we're actually, as I like to say in our live stream business, unapologetically charging people to watch women play sports. Right. Right. You know, softball's a great game. Yeah, it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and absolutely. if we get to the point where it's a business, a real business, which the Spring Games is, and I see as our mission as an organization to create real and meaningful opportunities for women, for people where most of our staff are women to unapologetically get paid to operate a softball event. I think that's important. And the viewership numbers on women's softball is very high. Oh yeah. It's, it's a lot of eyeballs. Um, in a previous life I had, um, I was able to, by advertising into one of team USA's primetime games on ESPN in another destination, another market, which didn't win me any points with them, but it was, you know, prime time. The viewership was fantastic and the cost was honestly relatively low. Right. So <laughs> it was from that perspective, it was a fan made me look like a genius. Yeah. But um <laughs> but at the same time, it was devalued yes. compared to the men's side of an equivalent event that had less viewership. Right. So that's where the as corporate America understands this as a business, it actually makes a lot of sense for corporate America. More eyeballs for less money. It's and I don't like it, but it's a great opportunity for businesses to buy in and go, Hey, wait, I get to be in front of all these people and I don't have to pay what I would for this other event that has less viewership. So that's where, and we're on the tipping point of that. I really do think so. I really think we're close. And we just have to hang in there and wait it out. Wait it out, yeah. You know, Major League Baseball didn't become what it is in 50 years. It took 100 years for it to get. Well, and the fact that, I'm sorry, that their they're Major League Baseball is now investing. Yeah. Should tell you something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you look at the strides that the pride has made in, yeah. in the marketplace. Right. Um, you know, and, and in a sport that, I mean, honestly, I never thought I would be sitting talking about women's professional soccer at right. any point that I, I mean, just did especially in central Florida. Right. So, so you look at the strides that they've made, um, off Olympic appearances mm-hmm. that caught the eyes of the public. And then they were able to ride that in the market. And, and I mean, maybe that's what it will take finally is, is, you know, another Olympic bubble, but it just, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it always be. baffled me. It it just you know baseball does well. You see, uh, well, I mean, and the fast pitch game doesn't for whatever reason. Men in fast pitch has has never that barrier seems never to caught. not quite. Yeah. There's pockets. In Wisconsin, I, there's pockets. I played <laughs> I, I played it in Boston. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were definitely pockets, but actually, they had I a did really not play good league in Tampa at one point. Yeah. The Smokers. That yeah. Was, well, the Clearwater Bombers. Clearwater Bombers. Clearwater were, Bombers. Yeah. I mean, that's a hundred years ago. Yeah. But Kenny Erickson played on the Smokers. Yeah. 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 The Clearwater Bombers were very well known yeah. for a long time. Absolutely. I played for the Bombers, the girls, the girls team. team, and um, different for those softball fans. It's not the same one as is in Texas right now. This was the Clearwater Bombers. Right. And the old guys used to come out. And cheer us on. It was really cool. Yeah. Then they come in their uniforms. They come in their bombers uniform. It was so the history is really spectacular. Yeah. And I would like to see more history of softball because I think that's a, another part of it. You know, little boys grow up and they know who Babe Ruth is. Mm-hmm. I think it was what, 120 years ago now? I mean, probably in that range. At least 100. Yeah, right? at least 100. And, and people know who he is, but do they know who Joan Joyce is? Yeah, right. And she's alive. Right. They can go see her. Like, that's spectacular. And she's the world record holder for the fastest pitch ever thrown. And she's here in Florida. And I played in college, and my teammates didn't know who she was. And I'm like, you, just calm down for a second. <laughs> like, just, you need to know who this person is before you, you get excited about playing. Like, I'm excited to play them. I'm not, like, worked up about playing them. Like, right. I get to be in the presence of one of the greatest athletes of all time in our sport. And, and young ladies aren't taught that. Right. And I think part of the to the point of, you know, what's it going to take? I think parents tend to focus more on the college level. And here I am in the business of college. Right. So this might not 
sound yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, keep in mind, I grew up with Dot Richardson. Right. Um, you know, we, we focus so much on the college level that we're not focusing on the game. You know, these young athletes aren't students of the game. Right. They're focusing on going to college. And frankly, for the amount of money you spend on travel softball, to all the parents out there, you're better off putting in a 529 plan and just sending your kid to whatever school you want. Right. I mean, that Absolutely. would be, you know, <laughs> it makes a lot more sense and it hurts her body less in the long run. So if she's not playing because she loves the game and the history of it and she doesn't know who Debbie Doom is and Joan Joyce. Those are like great names. These were great names back in yeah. you know, the 60s <laughs> and the 70s. And Dot Richardson and Lisa Fernandez. Oh my gosh, some girls don't even know who Lisa Fernandez is. Right. They think she's a coach out at UCLA. And it's like, no, no, no. Not familiar with them. No. You know, that Michelle Smith is not an announcer on ESPN. Right. I mean, she is, but the woman speaks Japanese. and Fluently. It's amazing. I had dinner with her in a <laughs> Japanese restaurant. I'm it's, like, I don't know what we're going to eat, but it just bring it. <laughs> so, you know, just getting excited when they're in the space of these legends. I'd like to see more of that. And I think as we see more of that and we see more of the study of the game and we have a better comprehension of, how far are the fences? And we know those statistics and we know how far the bases are. I mean, I get kids who don't know how, I ask them, they play right field. Well, how far is it throw from your position to, fur, to to the plate? Well, I don't know. And I'm going. It's on the fence. <laughs> how far are the fences? Well, I don't know. I'm like, what? how do you not know these things? So being a student of the game, I think is really important. Yeah. And, and I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And, and realizing that, um, they're athletes. Oh, yeah. Uh, women athletes, men athletes. They're athletes. Yeah. And um, I found that out the hard way. I was, <laughs> I was uh, this was years ago. I take I, it that was in the batter's box. I, I was, I was, um, I was playing a men's uh, slow pitch at, uh, in St. Pete. And uh, they had a girl at shortstop. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. So I was younger and I got there and I jacked one of the shortstop and it was in the hole behind third base and I'm jogging down the first and hear one of the guys go, you better run. <laughs> <laughs> and I look over and she's double pumping me. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> Came across the first, threw me out. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, wow. Now she's playing men's it was a little, you know, yep. Wednesday night league. She was an incredible athlete. She played the one ball. She and she dug that ball out of the hole. <laughs> All I hear is, you better run. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so much fun. You know, and seeing that, I had a, a pro baseball player share with me some theories he had about how the field dimension should be. And here's this guy who's never really, you know, he's certainly never played softball. And, and probably most of his experiences were anecdotal. And yet he knew more about the dimensions of the field and why it's the way it is and the speed at which the ball leaves the bat than most softball players that mm -hmm. I know or softball fans that I know. And, and I, I get geeked out. I always say when I do the schedule and I look at it and, you know, bringing this back kind of to Polk County and we have, we have a game against the number three ranked and the number four ranked team in the nation play happening in Polk County. Uh, I think it's March 4th. I'd have to look back. Um, but it's Augustana and Grand Valley State. This is yeah, a national championship game. If someone loves softball, you are getting a preview right. of the national championship right there. And then we have number seven playing number eight. Also, a national championship game. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's happening in March in Central Florida. And, you know, okay, it's D2. I think that's another thing about our sport that's disappointing. We get so hung up on D1. Well, right. D2, D1 just means you met the certain eligibility criteria academically, athletically. It's not a reflection of your athletic skills. It's a reflection of your academic right. skills. And you see some of these women playing D2 at the elite level. And I'll tell you what. It's a good ball. It's great ball. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of athletes will take, and no disrespect to the lower ranked mid-majors, but I'll see athletes going to, you know, the bottom 200 D1s, and I'm going, you just got recruited by the top 25 D2. Like, that's better ball. Yes. Than what you see the yep. one. But they, they want to see, see the, the one. one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See the one. So I, I like to think that as more locals, especially and in Florida, we've always been a little bit behind in the youth market. I think if more of the locals would come out and watch the D2, the NAIA, I mean, NAIA is a little bit 
it can be a little bit absurd at how good those teams are. Yes. Um, you know, if they watch the D3 and they see people playing who are highly talented but maybe didn't have the academics or who play for the love of the game, which D3 purely is, there's no question about it. Right. Um, you know, I think that the athlete, the Central Florida children, as I was, would find inspiration in that and maybe have more realistic or or better for it's not a good word, um, but more productive mm-hmm. goals than just getting hung up on D1. Right. You know, I've, I've had an awful lot of conversations with the parent that says, you know, that degree from an NAIA school works just as well. It does. Um, and I've well, seen some D2, D2 coaches that have said, yeah, we're not playing them. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to yep. get beat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and you got to think too, and we all know we're, we all have some gray hairs, right? Yeah. Um, our friends, well, Jack. Our, no. No. <laughs> I bet there's some in there yeah. um, or, or you don't, which is yeah. the same thing. Um, a lot of, we know as you grow older, your friends grow older. And if your friends are connected, it just helps, you know, when mm-hmm. your friends become executives and you're in your forties and your fifties, it's easy to pick up the phone yeah. and call someone you've known for 30 years. When you're 25, it's hard to get in the door, you know? Right. And so when you go to a school, like some of these D2s, NAIs, D3s, oh my gosh, the, the friends you make are in such wide circles from, you know, parental stock that mm-hmm. it's not bad to have friends from some of these schools. Right. Sometimes going to their parents' summer house is a really great way to get a good start in life. It is. And then as you grow up and your friends grow up, it's just, I mean. You, Friendships for life. Yeah. Exactly. Friendships and maybe you're not getting the season tickets to the big SEC school, but you might be bringing home six figures and you can just buy them. Right. So it just depends <laughs> on your life goals is yeah. how I look at it. Absolutely. And, and I think as a parent of a teenager, to me, that's important as college is a tool, but sports, sports are an experience. Absolutely. Yeah. My accountant that I've had for 30 years is the guy that I played ball with in college. Yeah. So. Isn't that I mean, funny? Yeah. Yeah. I'm he sure can. he's happy to have your account. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Some days, some it's days it's a little better than others, but yeah, for the most part. Kevin's account is easy. It's yeah. just he does it on scratch paper. Yeah. He doesn't even, doesn't one, even one, promote his calculator. One piece of paper. Yeah. It's usually no more than three numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. In and out. Quick, quick. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. We appreciate your time, Allison. And, I'm happy to. You know, we're certainly glad that spring games are part of uh, Polk County's um number of events that are coming in and we look forward to seeing these games and we'd like to make sure that we put that out there especially the game with grand valley and in august and i think that'd be yeah. a fantastic game for people so to website for people to be able to track the schedule the springgames.com very simple right. you need the 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 spring games the springgames.com yep the springgames.com yes and that's t-h-e because we're from florida and we spell it T-H-A. <laughs> so it's the spring games, not, it is, we pronounce it the spring games. <laughs> but but it's, for the rest of you, it's the spring games. T-H-E, yeah. spring games with an S. So, Floridians. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great games coming in D2 in Polk County. Um, Diamondplex is beautiful. We've, it's been such a pleasure to work with Polk, and I'm, I'm very excited about what's happening in the future in your county and, and to be a part of it. So we'll look thanks forward for to having it. me.